this evening to learn how to serve them better to be better Christians not just to punch in time but we really want to know him we need him more than we've ever needed him amen can we bow our heads this evening as you just continue to play softly Heavenly Father we're thankful for this gathering tonight Father this gathering would not be complete if you wouldn't come so, Lord, the song was already sung. My, my heart is open. Lord, we open our hearts. We invite you to come to our soul. Lord, we recognize a lot of people will come to church for different reasons. Maybe to satisfy a conscience. Maybe for an act of religion. Maybe to see someone. But, Father, we've come tonight as a people that are unique in the earth. The bride of Christ, Lord. Father, she's coming to be purified, to be separated, to be cleansed, to be washed from the filth of the world, Lord. Father, we realize we want to stand in your presence one day, and we want to have the garments of righteousness on, Lord. Not our own righteousness, Lord, but your righteousness, Lord. The blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us, O oh God. Father, we're here tonight, Lord, desiring that you would come into our midst, Lord. Father, it may be a Wednesday. We might just relax. We might just take this. But Lord, may you meet with us, Father. May your spirit have liberty in this service, Lord. Take our vessels. Take the preacher, Lord. Lord, take, I pray, every hearer, O oh Father. May you be all in all. Father, we ask and we invite you to come. Meet with us, not just in this building, but in our homes, in our places. O oh, Spirit of God, move. We ask you one more time, Lord, move in our midst, we pray. We commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Why don't we just sing that? I feel like that we need to sing that song. Spirit of God, move. Let's just invite him now, just as we've sung songs already. But now, Lord, really have your way. My heart is open. I'm ready to hear what you want. I've got notes. I've got different things. But above all, I would desire that he would take this service and he would do what he wants to do beyond the thoughts of Brother Ed, beyond the thoughts of man. May the Holy Spirit have his way. Let's just sing it to him. Spirit of God, move, write your word on my heart, oh, fill my whole being, consume my life. Spirit of God, move, an empty vessel I want to be, so that you may come. 
you, Brother Jeff. Thank you, musicians. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 51. Jeremiah, chapter 51. We'll just go right into the thought. We're going to follow this up from a couple of weeks ago when we spoke on Mystery Babylon. And I want to speak tonight on the separation of the daughter of Zion. So this is going to start in Isaiah, sorry, in, in Jeremiah 51. We'll read starting in verse 1. <clears throat> Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up against Babylon and against them that dwell in the midst of them that rise up against me a destroying wind. And I will send unto Babylon fanners that shall fan her, and they shall empty her land, for in the day of trouble they shall be against her round about. Now this is Jeremiah speaking as Israel's going into captivity, but God already had a purpose to send them in, but he already had purpose that them to be a tool in the hand of God. And they were also going to be judged for what they did, and there would come a time you could not be associated with Babylon or attached to her for the judgment that was coming against her. So this is in preface Every scripture is a type. This is in preface to what was then, to what would come now in the age we're in. Drop down to verse 6. Flee out of the midst of Babylon and deliver every man his soul. Be not cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He will render unto her a recompense. Babylon has been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore the nations are mad. Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed. Howl for her. Take balm for her pain. If so, be she may be healed. We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her and let us go every one into his own country. For her judgment reaches unto heaven and is lifted up unto even into the skies. The Lord has brought our righteousness. Come and let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. Isn't that wonderful? Now let's just drop again a step further down to verse 33. Verse 33, it says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, the daughter of Babylon is like a threshing floor. It is time to thresh her, yet a little while, and the time of her harvest will come, shall come. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has devoured me. Now, in one place he was the servant, but now he has gone against the word of God. So let's just see. He has devoured me. He has crushed me. He hath made me an empty vessel. He has swallowed me up like a dragon. He hath, he hath filled his belly with my delicacies. He has cast me out. The violence done to me and to my flesh be upon Babylon. And shall the inhabitant of Zion say, and my blood shall be on the inhabitants of the Chaldea, shall Jerusalem say, Therefore, saith the Lord, behold, I will plead thy cause and take vengeance for thee, and I will dry up her sea and make her springs dry, and Babylon shall become heaps, a dwelling place for dragons, an astonishment, a hissing, and without an inhabitant. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'm going to invite you just to turn over to Revelations 18. 
If you read the language of Revelation 17, it is much like the language in Jeremiah 51. But now in Revelations 18, and, and you, we read last time two weeks ago out of Revelation 17, but we'll read this again. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. Now this is in a supernatural realm. This has happened right in the hour we live in. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit. Now, look at the characteristics of what is being declared. It's fallen, it's become the habitation of devils, every foul spirit, a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. All the nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornications with her. The merchants of the earth have waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Now this is the characteristics. And there's a natural characteristic, but there's a spiritual characteristic also. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Now, that's in a spiritual realm. But I want to identify something to you. The message that we are under, the first and second pull were under a man anointing. But the third pull moved out under an eagle anointing. Now it was not just a, a words of a prophet, a man that was used of God, but it was moving into a greater, and it really was the identification of the Son of Man ministry, but it was greater than he himself, the prophet, thought. Now, Brother Branham would declare, you know, he would go into the churches, he would go into the places, you know, you serve God, you be there, you do this. He would teach on, on serpent seed, he would do different things. But there was a distinct change after the seals. And he would come and he would say, now let them challenge me on the serpent seed. Because something had changed, something had opened in another realm. And now he would say, don't go to your churches. He would say, get out of that system, whatever you do. Why? Something had changed. And I think we need to recognize no matter what it looks like in the natural, there is something that has changed. We live in an age where everybody's a Christian. Hollywood actors are Christians. Sports stars are Christians. And, and God bless them for their confession. But their confession does not lead into the fullness of salvation for this hour. It's actually attractive to be identified with them. Oh, I go to the church that Justin Bieber goes to. Really? Anyway, I, I won't go any further than that. Now, I want you to move with me. I'm going to take a couple of other scriptures here. Isaiah chapter 4. I'm going to use a few scriptures to start. Isaiah chapter 4. 
And it would talk about in that day. And it says, in that day, seven women shall take a hold of one man, saying, we will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. Now really, we never had hyphenated names in marriage before. We actually have a province in Canada where you're required to keep your maiden name. You didn't know that, did you? Believers don't do it. They, they, they go by the real name because when you're married, the wife takes on the name of her husband. But he says now, this is a conditions he's talking about. Now in that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. Now if you actually look in the Old Testament, many times there's dual meetings. Zion refers to a part of Israel, which can also be identified as such, but many times it also refers to the bride or a portion that is yet appointed. So it, shall, it says in verse 3, And it shall come to pass, he that is left in Zion, and he that remaineth in Jerusalem, shall be called holy, every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. Now there's judgment that is put on Babylon right in this age. But in the middle of that, there's a voice that says, come out of her. So while it's judgment in one hand, it's grace on the other hand. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just lay a few scriptures. Micah chapter 4. Micah chapter 4. And we'll read this in verse 10. Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail, for now thou shalt go forth out of the city, and thou shalt dwell in the field, and thou shalt go even to Babylon, there shalt thou be delivered, there the Lord shall redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies. Now let just hold that thought, and we'll go over also to Zechariah chapter 2. Zechariah chapter 2 in verse 7. And we'll take this. Deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwellest with the daughter of Babylon. So there's a daughter of Zion and there's a daughter of Babylon. And he says, deliver thyself, O Zion. Separate yourself. Don't be acquainted with it. Don't be acquainted with Babylon's fineries. Don't be acquainted with Babylon's ways, Babylon's system, Babylon's culture, but more so Babylon's religion. And it says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of my eye. For behold... I will shake my hand upon them, and they shall be a spoil to their servants, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. Now, 
there's a language that's being used here, and, and I, and I, and I want to take a little bit of time to, to build on that, and I'll just, just take a few moments to lay some foundation. When, when the Bible would talk about mystery Babylon, it would talk about the characteristics associated with Revelations 18. It would talk about the fineries and the attention, but there's also under Revelations because 18 is really a continuation of chapter 17. 17 refers to a woman that is on a hill. And that woman uh, that is on the hill was going to be judged, and she was known as a whore, as a harlot, and she would have children. And the children were going to be cast in a bed with her. In other words, the judgment that was on the mother would also be on the children. Now, I, I need you to identify with that just for a moment. I, I'm going to go back for a moment to the book of Isaiah. And we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 1. And I, I want to read this for a moment. And, and, and tonight, I'm, I'm, last week I was in Daniel a little, two weeks ago I was in Daniel. Today I'm going to go in Isaiah Isaiah actually is, is a Bible, is a prophet that is acknowledged in the Bible, Brother Branham would say, is a type of the whole Bible. There's 66 chapters, and there's 66 books in the Bible. Isaiah, if you go actually through chapters 1 to 40, it actually speaks a lot of Israel's going into captivity, and God judging Israel for the way they served him, for the way they worshipped him, the attitudes that they had adopted that really were a stench in the eyes of Jehovah. So, and then you follow it after that, then comes a period of time from chapter 40, which really deals with them as they are in captivity it concludes, you know, it goes to Isaiah 53, talks about the branch. It, it, it will conclude with Isaiah 60, 66, which is the millennium, and then the new heavens and the new earth. But I want to just start for a moment on, in chapter 1 of Isaiah. And, and, and many times a prophet in the Bible, and, and Isaiah was one who, who wrote more than almost any other prophet. But Isaiah's writings were, are referred to in such a broad scope, and I, I want you just to, to, to look at this with me. A prophet didn't always have a great job. Now, let's just look at the first things that he says in chapter 1 as he's, God is speaking to his people through a prophet. In verse 1, it says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. And it says, so the, and, and this is a time when Judah was the two tribes and Israel was the other tribe. So he was actually speaking to Judah, which was maybe in the lineage, uh, what would we would call the more spiritual of the, of the two. It says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children. And they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his owner. The, you know, here's everybody. You just gathered into church. This is the prophet Isaiah. God just spoke to him. And, and, he's, and he's, he comes out in his first words, you've rebelled against me. Oh, wow. What a, what a start to the service. I don't believe there was a lot of rejoicing at that moment. 
Uh, you know what? And, but this was God speaking to his people. Now, Isaiah was actually about 150 years before Jeremiah came. So, so it was God in prophetic form already dealing with a spirit that was working in Israel but would come to a head in the days of Jeremiah. So he's saying, my children, and he says, now the ox knows his owner, the ass the master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Now look at the, he's identifying a spirit behind them. A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a, a seed of evildoers. Children are corruptors. They've forsaken the Lord. They've provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They are gone away backward. You know, look, like he, he just keeps talking. Verse 6, from the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and purifying swords. They have, been, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Look, look at how he's talking. I, I mean, the prophet that came in this last day, he would go and speak nice words, you know, brother so-and-so. But as... That anointing came on him and he spoke the word. Friends, all of the fineries left him. All of the political uh, catering left him. This was God speaking to a man. This was God speaking under an anointing to this generation. And I fear lest we've come under the anointing of the Babylonian system, which is to have a form of religion, but not to deal with the heart, not to deal with sin. And I'm, I know I'm speaking in a message, church. I believe that, that like, like a fog it can set over us too. Friends, I, I need you to listen to how God's been speaking to us. Dealing with our hearts... Even as Brother Andrew spoke on Sunday, the maturing of a thought. Friends, the, the whole purpose of, of, uh, of Malachi 4, I feel like I'm yelling. Just give me a little more volume. I don't want to yell. I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm here to encourage us to work together. Malachi 4 was to turn the hearts. Friends, sometimes we can go through a religious form speak the message, do the message, and then go home and just go on any old uh, internet site and do whatever. Without thought of where we just were and what we're doing. Or we can speak any kind of language or talk or mix with any kind of people. But God has always been a separator. He called Abraham out of Babylon. He called them out of that. He's called a bride out of Babylon in this last age. And back in the time of Babylon, he called the daughters of Babylon out of from the daughters of Zion. Out of the daughters of Zion, out of from the daughters of Babylon. So Isaiah, he, he speaks this way. And he says, verse 7, your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it. In your presence, it's desolate as overthrown by strangers. Look at his next words. The daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. So he's talking about a peculiar people. Now, he's not talking about Israel as a whole, but he's referring to the daughter of Zion. 
Something in her, though she were in Babylon, she never forgot her roots. There was something in her she couldn't explain. She was always attracted to stories of the homeland. She was always attracted to what did our forefathers do. Friends, if you're a real believer, you're not just here trying to fit in. There's a hunger that ought to be coming out. There's something that says, I've got to get home. I've got to get back to the place that I came from. I'm not here just to escape hell. I'm not here just to do that. But there's a strong pull. There's a strong desire. And it reverberates in my prayer life. It reverberates in what I look for. Friends, I'm saying we've got to go higher than where we've been. You can't just walk in a form anymore. There's a strong pull that's got to be resonating in us. Brother Ed, it's just a Wednesday. I know it's just a Wednesday. And tomorrow's a Thursday. And the devil's at work every day of the week. And so is God at work. And this verse, which is it's a verse my wife and I have talked about many times. And we've often talked about where it's spoken in the book of Romans. But Paul got it from here. Verse 9, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we would have been like unto Gomorrah. Don't ever estimate what God is doing for you in this hour. Oh, something keeps holding me. I don't know what it is, but it keeps holding me. When every wind, I'll just say it to you, I feel like since the beginning of the year, the battle has ramped up. I don't know about you, but I feel like Satan is coming at us with everything he's got. But I also believe that God is keeping us as a shepherd will keep his sheep. I want to be found in his arms. Now, I want to just share this. I, I really, I, I want to take this in another service. But Brother Branham would speak about the prophets. And this is a message that I, I, I love. I, I, I probably have listened to many, many times. And I, I almost know the parts and everything. But Christ is revealed in his own word, 1965. He says, prophets did not always understand what they were writing or what they were saying or they would in no wise have ever said it. But the Bible says they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Moved. When the Holy Ghost moves you, you move. Now, if that's the way the message was sent, how should it be received? It ought to move us. I, I pray, Lord, when I come here, don't let the words just float off. But, Lord, let them penetrate and move me. Come to my soul. Speak to me, O Lord. Now, in all ages, the people who were spiritual consulted the prophets about the times and what was to happen. And so in, in Zechariah, surely God will do nothing except he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. 
Now, brother, I'm say the prophet writer must be in constant fellowship with the author. He must live constantly in the presence of the author to know what the book is going to be. See, the prophet writer, he had to have his pen ready, pen ready anytime, constant fellowship with the author, which was God, to strike down whatever he said. He had to live a life that was separated from all his brethren. And I would like to say, the bride lives a life that is separated unto her Lord. Not for the sake of being strange, but there are times that you've even got to leave sometimes what would be your best friend to follow God truly. Abraham had to separate from his family, from his kindred, even from his father, because God spoke to Abraham. Now, he didn't speak to Lot, but Lot came along. And I, and I would say until there was a separation, there was not the full benefit of what God had for him. And until we uh, entangle ourselves with the things that are in the world, if we entangle ourselves with our own ideas, if we entangle ourselves with just a satisfaction with a halfway religion or a lukewarm religion, we will not be truly dedicated unto God. Now, I want to encourage you tonight. I, I, I believe there's more of God for us. I believe sometimes we scratch the surface. Friends, there are times, I, I, I'm going to be very honest with you. I feel like, not that I go through the motions because I'm always looking for it, but I feel I haven't hit the depth of what God wanted in something. And there are times I actually go in prayer. There's many times our prayers are repetitive. This is a need that's on my heart, and I bring it before the Lord. And this is a need. And, and, but there has to come a time where I, I actually pour my heart out, and I feel it actually has been poured out before God. He heard me, and he sent something back to me. That's got to be there. That supernatural element must be in every believer. Something that you know you've connected with God and God has connected with you. You can only go along so long with repetitive prayers. Somewhere, it's not just saying a prayer, but it's praying a prayer. Somewhere where you have identified something. And there are times... You come before the Lord and you say, Lord, I know there's more of you that needs to be made real to me. Teach me, Lord, what it takes. Now, I shared a little video clip with just a couple brothers. And it was regarding the, a move of God in, in, in different locations. We could, and this wasn't on the video, but you could take the move of God that was in the Welsh Revival. And, and in the Welsh Revival, you know, we've often heard the story, we like to repeat it. You know, where's the Welsh Revival? The police said, I'm the Revival. And that's as far as we go with it. But if you've ever looked and searched at how it began, and it was a young man named Evan Roberts who was just a young student Every revival doesn't start because oh, some man had an idea and, and uh, you know what, we're going to have a revival. But it actually starts from the heart. 
It starts when one individual gets serious with God and says, oh God, and, and, and he had come to a prayer meeting and he actually had put off elements of schooling, he'd put off elements of things, and he decided, I need to get God or die. That's how Finney went. And he came to a prayer meeting, and finally, he said, the Spirit was groaning so loudly in me, and he cried, and he said, oh, bend me, Lord, bend me. Now, that's not something a human being says, break me, bend me. That's the Spirit groaning in him. Take the parts of me that are hindering you from moving on. Now, now that, that, was, that was tremendous, but it was in 1949, many years later, there was a group of people in that same country, a group of ministers that just had a heart, and they said, Lord, if you move back then, you can move again. And they would meet in a barn, seven ministers, and they would begin praying. And they began praying in the barn. And as they began praying in the barn and just calling on God to shake the country, to move on the city around them. And as they began praying, they would come out often two, three in the morning. And they noticed over a period of months, and it was in a barn. It was organic. It wasn't like organized, but it was just the heart. And this is what God was dealing with Israel on. It was just the heart. And so these men, and they noticed over time that more and more lights in farmhouses in the valley were on. And what was happening was that people were getting under the burden of prayer in their own homes. And when they were getting in the burden of prayer, they too in their own homes started crying on God, calling for more of God. Now this is not organized of man. This was grassroots, organic, right at the heart. Friends, and I'm going to just say it, in what house will you build me? Brother Bannon would say, in the own move that he saw. He said, I've just watched a, a, a coolness setting in. I've watched it, and he's saying, oh, we need to get back that feeling of when we were first saved. If you're forcing yourself, if there's not somewhere that there's some joy in your heart, Oh, I want to get into church with the believers. I want to sing the songs of Zion. If it's a drudgery, I say that we, we don't have to live there. We can actually live in a higher place. I'm, I, this isn't even in my notes. It's just me speaking. I maybe better save some of this for Sunday because I've, I've got a thought that's going to take some of this into Sunday. But if that happened then, and there's other moves. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. But what God was dealing with Israel here in Isaiah, he was, you know, and I, I need you to refer to this. Can you just jump, Brother Dan, to, to Exodus 25 for a minute? This is when God called out Israel, and he called them out of Israel, and he wanted them to come and worship him. And, and in Exodus chapter 25, he, he would say this to them. And he would say, in verse 2, speak unto the children of Israel. This is Moses in the mountain. In the mount. Now they've, they've come out of Egypt. They're in, Moses is up on the mount. God is speaking to him. He says, speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. Now, 
this was very contrary to the religion that was organized in Babylon when Nimrod was there. Because Nimrod brought everybody in Genesis chapter 11 under a forced worship. It was to be a religious form, but it was not from the heart. And it was just to be in sacrifices and things that had a form, but it never penetrated to life changing. And it became a part of the fabric and the culture. And he used it in government. He brought these things together. I, I can't read all of these quotes and stay on time. So I'm just going to have to summarize some of this. But God tells him, Every man give willingly of your heart. Now drop down to verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary. This is the heart of Jehovah. That I may dwell among them. This is still the heart of Jehovah. Oh, that I may have a vessel that I can come to, that the dove of God can come and know somewhere in the midst of this corrupt Babylonic society, there's someone that's calling on me. There's someone that I know I can work through and flow through. I want to be one of them. Amen. Jump over to Exodus, sorry, Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy 5 real quick, if you will. Deuteronomy 5, just, just drop down to, let's just go to verse 28, read 28. And the Lord heard the voice, this is Moses now coming down. He's rehearsing what he spoke in the mountain to them, which was in Exodus. But now there's a new generation, let's call it the sons and the daughters, that are now going out. But he's rehearsing it to them. Listen, very... I don't think if I asked anybody to raise their hand, how many were in Brother Branham's meetings? That was our fathers. We're the sons and the daughters. But God is speaking to the sons and the daughters. Now he says here in verse 20, and these are the, the Lord heard your voice, your words, and I heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken unto me. They have well said all they've spoken. So Moses comes up, the people said this, and God says, I love it. I, I, I heard their words. But look at the next verse. Oh, that there was such, would be such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep, keep my all, my commandments always that it might be well with them. Brother Jeff, this leads right into the last song you sang. That they would, oh, there'd be a blessing would follow them. I, I, I can be honest and tell you that there are people that I know God has more in their lives if they would just surrender to them. And instead, they're trying to fight and gain their own way. But let go and let God. He has so much more for you than you yourself could get you give yourself. I know it because it's happened to me. And I say, Lord, I, I, I just want to Learn to surrender more. And he's just saying, oh, that it would go well with them and their children forever. Now he heard their words, but he looked beyond at their heart. So jump back to Isaiah. Sorry to, to jump you there. Back to Isaiah chapter 1. So here's Isaiah. Now Israel had all of this time, and we know that Israel made several fatal mistakes. When, when God had raised them up a king, they, they had Samuel the prophet, and then they wanted a king to be like the other nations. Where did they get that thinking from? They got that thinking from 
the, the country that they came out of, the Babylonian systems. They, they saw that man would rule. The first ruler was Nimrod, and Nimrod ruled over other men. And, and that's the system of every denomination that exists today. No wonder the prophet would cry about it. Because it was man controlling man and the Holy Spirit could not have his way. I'll tell you, that can creep into the message. You have somebody that's got a great gift and then all of a sudden they build a kingdom around them. I'm telling you, the kingdom building is over. It is God who's going to be on the throne. And I'm looking for him in a greater way all the time. I'm not interested in following just a, a man who's got a following or a gift. I want the word of God. I want the true king to rise in my heart and in every service that we have. So they wanted a king. They wanted what the other nations had. But here God is speaking through Isaiah. And he tells them, just drop down in verse 1, but on to verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto our God, you multitude of Gomorrah. What is the purpose of the multitude of your sacrifices to me? So he's telling him, you've got a form of worship. And I can't read all of this. You can follow this through. And he says in verse 13, Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons and the Sabbaths and the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It's iniquity. Why? He was looking at their heart. So all of this was leading the way. So they've been told by the prophet. And, and you watch how, how, how you can read all of chapter 1. You can go right down to the end and, and how he would, like, let's just read verse 16. Wash, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings, even from before your eyes cease to do evil. So he's looking at the heart of the people and he's saying, I need your heart to be changed. I, I, I see all your form and your sacrifices and your exactness. I see all of these things, but I want your heart. And God still wants our heart. God still wants us to change and serve him from our heart. To separate from the things of the world. Pure religion and undefiled is this. To, to keep yourself unspotted from the word, world and visit the widows in their affliction. Now wow, that's something that we don't think about very often. But God wants our heart. There's so much more I could read out of all this. I could have taken into, into the other things. Let me now just go for a moment. I'll make this quickly. In, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 20, it refers to what we call, this is in the Thyatiran age, this is the darkest age there was, and this is the Spirit speaking to the messenger of that age, and he says to the believers, notwithstanding, and he speaks to both true and false alike, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed to idols. So now that woman is this great church that has risen up and she's identified with the name Jezebel. And he says, she calls herself a prophet, and she teaches and seduces and commits fornication. 
and, 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 and offer things, sacrifice to idols. I gave her space to repent. So before we ever came to Revelations 18 where she was going to be cast down and there was no more for her, God in his mercy gave her this. Behold, I will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into the great tribulation except they repent of their deeds. So here's the Spirit speaking of Jezebel. Now, I, I want to remind you of something because I'm speaking of the daughters. Now, Jezebel in the Bible, we know that she was a wicked queen. We know that she was out of idolatry. And Ahab, who was the king of Israel, you know, he thought it a light thing to walk in the sins of one of the previous kings, Jeroboam, so light that he married this Jezebel. Now a lot of this came in under the time of Solomon when Solomon, in disobedience to the word of God, no multiply wives, don't do these things. He did it, but yet it was also wives that had idolatry and it mixed in with them. Nonetheless, God wanted separation. So Jezebel, that was the mother. But yet she had a daughter. Now, there, there was the ten tribes of Israel, but there was the two tribes of Judah. And if you actually follow through in the Bible, the kings of Israel, they did not have a very long lifespan because of their sins and their iniquities. Generally, it was about eight years or two years or something. The kings of Judah had a much longer lifespan. But if you would read the Bible through, Hezekiah was one of the longest kings of Israel, I believe, for many, many years. But the kings of Judah typically, because they served God more fervently, as they served God more fervently, God gave their kings, they gave them a longer lifespan. So Jezebel, the woman, wasn't a threat to them. But the woman, the daughter, was. Now let's just turn to 2 Kings for a minute. Are you okay with this tonight? I, I know this is not like jump up and roar, shout yay, amen, hallelujah. Uh, but, it, but it's the truth nonetheless. Second Kings chapter 8. And in the fifth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, then being the king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, began to reign. So, so Ahab had a son named Joram, and Jehoshaphat had a son named Jehoram. And he began to reign. He was 32, year old, 32 years old when he reigned. And he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, as did the house of Ahab. So he started adopting principles that were the same as the others. And he says, and he said, as did the house of Ahab, what did he do? And look at the next verse. For the daughter of Ahab was his wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, so in other words, he took, he took Ahab's daughter, who was out of the thing of Jezebel, and that became a thorn to him. Now, Brother Ed, why are you doing all of this? We can all identify and say, Catholicism is wrong. And we can say, that is absolutely not of God. The doctrines and all those things. But yet, sometimes, through flatteries, 
We, we look at some of the denominations and some of what they do, and we're more accepting. But yet it's the same spirit. Now listen, Brother Branham would seek in the mark of the beast. I can't read all these quotes today. But he says, Catholicism and Protestantism will unite. It will happen. Don't be deceived. You can say, I'm, I'm not going to do anything with Catholicism. But yet we, we can suddenly go along. But with flatteries. My, oh, my, oh, my. I, I, I need to say this for a reason, friends. Because we got to be on our toes. Listen, I'm, I'm going to just say something here. We all hear of the man who is, the pastor who is in jail from such and such. And, and I agree with a lot of the principles. I don't know if that, the Lord has led us that way. But I watched and they had a rally. And at the rally, there was a whole bunch of people that showed up that had nothing to do with religion. They were groups that were against the government. So they weren't standing for something. They were standing against something. And they were identified as being, well, they call them racist and that, but I'm, I'm just saying how easy it is to rally behind something emotionally rather than standing for something. Now, I, I, I'm, I, I, I just leave it there. But I'm saying it's so easy to say, okay, the Catholicism isn't doing anything. Catholicism isn't doing very much right now. But if you read Revelations chapter 13, there was a, a, an image being raised up to the beast. And the image was given power. And the image could speak like the beast. So Protestantism will speak with the same anointing and the same power. That's why it's important, friends, that you are separated from it. I, I've listened to too many messages of the prophets speak to just let these things slip by and just let it be unassuming. We have to be on our spiritual toes. Well, I'm not going to be deceived by that. My, oh my, I, I, I'm going to read the one quote here out of, out of what Brother Branham would talk about. He's saying many people, and I, I should just, I could almost say it. Many people, and I say this even within the framework of the message, when faced with a little pressure, it'll be easier to go and serve God under the guise of denominationalism but when you do that, you take on a mark. I can't take this pressure. I'll still serve God secretly here. Be careful. We, we, we're going to start walking into more pressure than we've ever had before. Be careful that you're built up. Be careful that you have oil. Be careful that you don't fall into that trap. We are watching things move so quickly now. The previous United States president was known for just spouting off his mouth. This president is, I, I don't know, they had a picture of him, I think, somewhere where they had strings, and he was lifting his hands. He was, you know, uh, they call that a puppet. But I'll just say this. Under the Babylonian system that started out under Nimrod, which was, Let's call that the mother system. 
when it came down to Babylon that was in the time of Israel, it was always referred to as the daughters. In fact, in one place, in Isaiah 47, it says, O virgin daughter of Babylon, because they had not corrupted themselves yet. But at the very end in Revelations, it was a harlot, and her daughters were judged with her. So we are not seeing the infancy, but the seeds of it have gone through right to the time that it's being judged right now. And I say, have nothing to do with it. You need to be focused on the Word of God. Be in the Word of God. Read your church age book. Listen to the messages. Don't put it off out there. Be in the Word of God. Know where you stand. Not where Brother Harold stands or I stand or anybody else does. That's wonderful. But I think you need to know, where do I stand? Is a little pressure going to cause me to back up? Is it going to cause me to, 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 to not stand the way I ought to stand? Or am I going to stand? I, I, I really, I'm running out of time and I just want to get the heart of my thought out of, out of all of this. So in the time of Israel, it was the daughter that caused transgression in Judah. Now I, 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 I could read the quote out of the church age book that Brother Branham would talk about it, but I'm not going to do that. So Nimrod was the founder of the Babylonian system. It's so much so it became the head of gold that Daniel saw. And out of that came a daughter, a system called the virgin daughter. It comes down to a prostitute at the very end. Daniel would see this head of gold. He would see all of these things in, in Daniel chapter 2. But in Daniel chapter 7, which we read last week, he would identify the characteristics of each kingdom and he would say how they would follow on down and how they would go from one kingdom to the other. Now I, I'm going to try and just take a couple of quotes here that, that Brother Branham would speak about and I, I'm, I'm going to just try and simplify this a little bit if we can. Now, In the Church Age book, it says the Bible doesn't deal with the history of other nations. It says major sources of information you can find in Egyptian and Grecian culture. There were priests that were in charge of teaching these sciences, and since these sciences were used as part of religion, we know the key to how Babylonian religion gained its strength in these countries. It's true that whenever a nation was able to overcome another nation, listen to this, in due time the religion of the subduer became the religion of the subdued. Now America was founded on principles of religious freedom. But Brother Adam would say they would elect the wrong man one day. And that happened when Kennedy was elected. And he says there would come another president that would be Catholic. And we're here now. Now, America sold itself out, or is, I would say, sold itself out in 1956. They have sold themselves out to a system. Oh, there's still Protestant churches. But they're under a system. Let me take one element of this just, I don't know how the time slipped away on me today. But it would talk about uh, in, in the system, and I'm going to just, my, oh, my, oh, my. 
Daniel chapter 11 talks about how it would come in with flatteries. And I'm not going to take those scriptures, but you can take Daniel 11, verse 21, verse 32 and 34, and, and he would talk about those things. But it would, it would talk in the end time how preachers, uh, there'll be a great temptation to give in. Preachers will give in with the excuse to serve God within the framework of the Antichrist beast system. They will give in to flatteries and blandishments of the hierarchy. And he says... And the people will follow these false shepherds right into the slaughter. They will be given white, they will not be given white robes, neither will they walk in. You can't walk in the spotted garments of the world, hold hands with the devil, and expect to be with God. It's time to wake up. Come out of her, my people, he says. Now, under Mystery Babylon, Brother Branham would speak, and he would say this. And, uh, he talks about this one aspect. That's the only aspect I can deal with today. But it was always one God. But it was under the Babylonian system, he says, that monotheism turned to polytheism, which is one versus multiple. The devil's lie and the devil's mysteries rose up against the truth of God and the mysteries of God in that city. Satan became the god of this world and exacted worship from those that he had duped, causing them to believe that he was truly the Lord. The polytheistic religion of the enemy began with the Trinitarian doctrine. It was way back there in antiquity, which means history, one God in three persons that this idea came into existence. And it says, how strange that our modern theologians have not spotted this. But they've been duped by Satan that these three persons in a Godhead. Let us be shown just one place in the scripture where there is any authority for this doctrine. What is the major basis for the mother and the daughters? It's the Trinity doctrine. That is the major thing that unites them. And then there's an anointing in the end time with the spirit of gift and signs and wonders that anoint them. And they all say, well, it has to be of God. And the Catholics say, yes, we agree with you. And they all unite happily together. Friends, don't be deceived. The true spirit of God worships one God. I'll tell you, you cannot even serve God. If you, you know, I, and, and, and I had a brother's a brother, I called him a brother, just a client who's very sincere, and, and we were talking, he says, you're a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian too. And, and, and you know, it was a really good conversation. He says, you know, and I said, yeah, I, I serve Christ, and you know, and, and, and he says, oh, I can imagine the, that the, the father is so pleased with the son when he comes up there and talks to him and pats him on the back, and I go, oh, so sincere. And he'll never get to the depth that the great God of heaven that formed the earth, that formed the stars and the solar system came down and dwelt in a simple flesh and walked among his people to know what you and I feel, to bleed and die for us, took my place. Oh, the fellowship of that relationship that'll never happen under a Trinity doctrine. There's a depth there that's beyond everything. 
And he said, It's not strange that the descendants of Ham went on their way in satanic worship with a basic concept of three gods. There's not one trace of the descendants of Shem believing that. And it says the Hebrews believed their, their prayer was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. The descendants of Shem in Genesis 18, which was Abraham, they only saw one God with two angels. But it wasn't seeing three gods. How is the Trinity expressed? It's expressed by an equilateral triangle, even as Rome expresses it today. Strange, the Hebrews didn't have that concept. Was it the Hebrews or the Babylonians? It was the Babylonians, the idea of three gods. In India, they found it in our hearts to express them as one God in three forms. So now, it didn't just pervert, pervade that nation, but other nations. And it says, in, in Japan, there is a great, great Buddha with three heads like one. But the most revealing is set forth in the Trinitarian concept. The head of an old man symbolizing God the Father. A circle which is the mystery signified the seed turning to the sun. And the wings and tail of a bird. And it says a dove. This is the doctrine of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Three persons in the Godhead. A veritable trinity. That's the same thing in Rome. Is it not strange that the devil and his worshipers actually had more truth revealed to them Oh, he's telling the people, the Trinitarians, that the devil and his worships had more truth than Abraham and his descendants. And, and he would just go on and say, look at where this all started. Look at the seeds of all of this. Now, I'm, I'm just bringing out this one little aspect, and I'm not even doing justice. I, if you want to go back sometime, go back to the time Brother Jason um, DeMars was here. He's a brother who goes into the other countries, and he tells them, why the Trinity is false. I, I never heard it as good as that. Because the Trinity never came into existence until about 270 A.D. after the death of Christ. And it became adopted at 325 A.D. And he asked the question to them, I feel sorry for all those believers that live from, from the time of the death of Christ till 325 that never had the revelation of the Trinity. Because they're lost. Because that's what denominations would lead you to believe. Friends, it's a lie of the devil. Its seeds are not even anything to do with God. Okay, this isn't the way I thought it would be. Let's go to, over to Isaiah chapter 43. Oh my goodness, we're at, our time is over. Let's just go to Isaiah chapter 43. I'm going to read this and I want to just play something and then we're going to close. Now, I, I, if you want to, I, I read from Isaiah chapter 40. I, I read from, I've been reading in these chapters for a number of weeks. And I watched the change of the prophet starting in Isaiah chapter 40 where he speaks about a messenger that would come to deal with the people's sins. And this is the messenger that would turn the hearts. And, and so he would go on and, to, and he would talk. And, and, and the song we sang here on, on Sunday, Who is like unto our God? Who formed the heavens? Who did all these things? And then in Isaiah 41, it would just talk, Look unto me, I alone am God. Fear not and be dismayed. God continually reverting himself, all the attention to the mighty God. And he, and he keeps talking in, in chapter 42 and 43, but let's just read chapter 43. 
Verse 1, Thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, that formed thee, I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Verse 3, For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. That's just one. That's just one. And let, let's just drop down to verse, verse 11. I, even I, am the, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. That's the King I want. I don't want to separate and give my glory to some man, to some... I want to give it all to the Lord. I, I believe in our worship and everything. We should honor the Lord above all. We should, I think as ministers, we should promote a relationship where everybody is in contact with God. I believe we've heard a voice. I want to just play this video as we close. And there's a song that Brother John sang and the, the group sang on Sunday night. But I want you to think, I, I really didn't have the time to go where I wanted to go, but I'm just going to play this as we close. I want you to think of how God called Israel out of Babylon and how, what was he dealing with their heart. He had to break something down in them. I'll pick some of this up Sunday. But I want you to look at this video and I want you to think about this end time that God has called Israel out of every nation to go back to their homeland. I believe he's calling also, I want you to think of not only Israel, but I want you to think of the bride that is being called to her homeland. Let's just play this and then we're going to have the musicians come right after this. Daughters of Zion Oh Abraham's sons Hear the words of your father Hear his promise of love I will make you a blessing So count the stars if you can
come the seventh trumpet to Israel is the seventh as the seventh seal is to the bride friends I don't know if, if you I, I, I've never I've always been warmed by what I see in Israel and a people coming it's nothing less than the supernatural move of God but I'll say also supernatural is a people that are coming out of Babylon we're not just leaving something. We're not just, but we're going home. We're being purged. We're being tried. We're coming back to the very place. I wanted to get further on this today because I want to take this on Sunday, but we'll just have to take it from here. So thank you for bearing with me. Come stand together if you will. The holy hills are calling me. The holy hills of heaven call me to mansions bright across the sea where loved ones
something would move us not just to be focused on what we see around us and the battles we're in and to look for it but to actually see beyond in the church age book brother Wood Branham would say right now the throne room has been set the twelve foundations have been laid the street coal, streets of gold have been paved. The gates of pearl are raised and hinged. And the Spirit would speak to him and say, just keep pressing. If you could only see yeah. what is just beyond. Oh, friends, it'll be worth it all one day. We're going to be going home. I want to go home. This world is not my home. But I'm going home. Let's sing, I'm going home, going soon. I've always been a stranger here. I'm going home. I'm going soon. 
maybe didn't get into the fullness of the thought but maybe that's how the Lord wanted it I'm just going to ask you maybe you feel a little tug on your heart I just got to go a little deeper I, I just believe there's more of God for me and, and you, and you want to God to remember you say does that help Brother Ed it helps as much as sometimes just whispering a prayer versus crying out to God does it help a little baby, you know, just to whimper when she's hungry? No, they'll cry out. If you're hungry, you'll cry out. Do you want more of God? I do. You see, you feel that little tug tonight? You want to let the Lord know, Lord, you spoke to my heart. I, I, I see Babylon, I see the systems, but I see it's time to go home. God bless you all for raising your hands. God sees your heart above all. Amen. Let's just, uh, we're just going to sing. I'm going to go into prayer. But let's just sing, I feel the pull, I feel the pull, and then we'll pray. I feel the pull. I I see. 
were raised there's one more that wants to raise their hand that didn't before God bless you Heavenly Father as we come before you Lord we're at the end of the service the words have been spoken the songs have been sung Lord your spirit has been here Father we believe that we came into this building in one way and we'll either go out better or worse Lord, I believe we want to go out better. We know that we're facing an enemy in the fierceness. Lord, that enemy that Daniel saw, that, that, that fourth kingdom, that Rome, that it wasn't the head of gold that was fine or the silver or the brass, but it was, it was iron. And at the end, it was mixed with iron and clay. And, and iron was cruel and, and binding, and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it would encage, enslave people. Lord, that's the world around us. But Lord, in the middle of all of this, in the middle of the daughters of Zion and, and, and the children of that great harlot and that great whore, Lord, you at this time have reserved a children, sons and daughters of the King. You put something in them that was in our father Abraham. It was a strain. Abraham couldn't help but respond to that voice. Lord, we can't help but respond to this voice. And even along the way, there was distractions. There was things that would come, but step by step, Abraham separated himself. And Lord, we're wanting to separate ourselves from everything that would entangle our minds that would hinder the moving of God. Oh Lord, you can speak to hearts beyond this service. Maybe someone's listening to a tape or reading a scripture, or reading in the book of Isaiah in the chapters 40 to 50 or whatever it may be. But Lord, you can speak. You're the God that created heavens and earth. You're the God whose spirit is still dealing with the hearts of men. You're calling a people for your namesake. Father, we thank you for everyone you've brought in, every brother and sister. I'm so glad that you've called me, Lord. Who was I? Father, I'm so glad for the brethren that are here, some that have served God longer than I have, some that have been faithful, and here they are still tonight. Lord, we have needs that are represented among us. We all know someone that's not in. Lord, it was in the wee hours of the morning this morning when something just came upon me and I thought of a man who'd become an enemy of this message. And something just rose up for, from within, Lord, and I couldn't help but cry out for him. Lord, it's eternity setting in. Father, I believe that was your spirit because that wouldn't have been the natural thought that I had. Father, I pray while your spirit's still moving. Lord, whatever need of whatever loved ones on our hearts, don't leave them, Lord. Father, but may your dove just keep wooing and keep calling and keep pulling. Lord, may that call still go out one more time. Lord, there are young people who have come. They're in the assembly. 
and they, they serve you with what they know. But Lord, I believe there's more of God to be had. Oh, there's a walk that you would want with every one of us. I pray, Father, we could find that walk with you. I pray, oh Lord, that you would just keep ministering to us even after we leave this building and as we go in our cars and as we're in our way home. Oh, may the Spirit of God just continue. Oh, Lord, we love you. It's a dark time, Lord, but we're praying that you will just be a hedge about us, that you will keep us. Lord, you said it would be great grace that would be upon your bride. Father, you said this is the hour of our purification, that a man who's choosing a wife doesn't put her through punishment, but Lord, at this time yet in the trials of this life, something pure as gold is coming forward in a people. And we know that's, that's you, Lord, doing a work. We thank you for it. Father, we pray that you'll give us grace to serve you. Bless everyone that's been here. Bless everyone that's been listening. Oh, Father, we just ask that you'll continue to brood over us. We just commit ourselves to you now. We thank you for this time. And we commit the words that have been spoken into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Consume me, O oh Lord, consume me. Consume